0: You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf. And welcome to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community. As always, I'm your host, Ben Wolf. And I am very, very happy today to introduce my guest uh, who is going to teach us how busy entrepreneurs can spread prosperity in their own communities. Uh, our guest today is founder of Mosaic Genius, a firm which builds a sustainable ecosystem of, of wealth in, in communities of color uh, by connecting and supporting entrepreneurs and established venture capitalists. She's also the head, the founder of Head & Heart Philanthropy. You can learn more about her at mosaicgenius.com. That's mosaicgenius.com. And with that, I give you Crystal Jackson. Welcome, Crystal.
1: Hi Finn, thank you for having me and happy Friday.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Happy day to you. And 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 I guess what what I'm going to ask you, what I ask all my guests uh, to start off with, which is just give me like a quick two minute background, a story. How did you, you know, how did you get to be doing the kind of stuff that you're doing now?
1: Wow. I don't know that I can really put it into words to express. I'm any- not using a
0: timer, so don't
1: worry. Right. but the immense gratitude around what I have a chance to do every day I mean some people dream of being able to make the world a better place and I have to say it's been a combination of two things Um, life experience being raised in the south in a family that was very committed to community second education at Spelman College which is very big on service and impact and then three great mentors that sort of helped guide my career once I finished do graduate school and so you put those three pillars together and they sort of help create for me a sense of the world that said you can be and do anything you want to do mm-hmm. and and understanding that you know impact and serving others is a great part of that.
0: And it's amazing Sam and you and you made that your calling or your career as well, not just something that you do. Not that, not that it's not amazing when people do that on the side. It's what most, that's what most most of us can contribute to the community. But, uh, you know, you made that a full-time endeavor. Oh, I, I'm from Nashville, by the way. W- where are you from in the South?
1: I am originally from Houston, born and raised in Houston, Texas, and yeah, cool.
0: yeah, from Houston. Well, I got, a, I got a lot of family there, uh, and I'm actually going to Houston on April 30th. For, uh, for a conference hosted by EOS Worldwide, Entrepreneurial uh, Operating System Organization, the an annual conference with uh, I think over a thousand people. So this is going to be my first time going and it's going to be in Houston. And I'm, I'm seeing family there Saturday night after the conference, uh, you know, just some 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 family I haven't seen in over 20 years. So looking forward okay. to it.
1: Okay, wonderful. You love Houston. I'm sorry. You, sure. but, and it's a good time to go because right now it's not so humid. <laughs>
0: That's good. Right. It's, yeah, it's, it's the very last, the very end of April. So it's like, you know, starting the trip at the end of April, ending it in the beginning of May. So uh, like, right. Yeah. Hopefully it'll be not too hot by then, but not, you know, not too bad. So Crystal, I want to start with my first question here, which is what do the data say, or what have you seen anecdotally about how minority entrepreneurs are faring you know, in their businesses or how things are going relative to the general entrepreneurial community?
1: Great question. So we'll start with uh, African-American female, Black female entrepreneurs. Let's start there. Uh, It takes $250,000 more dollars for her to start a business. So that's me. So in other words, when we launch a company, we already start out with a deficit of about two hundred
0: fifty thousand. Why? Why? Like, where does that? Where does that come from? What is that?
1: It is because of the lack of access to capital. It is a lack of access to possible clients, um, and then just the cost to run a business. And so, oftentimes, most businesses in my community, if they survive the first three years, they are. More- it is, a, it is a miracle to survive beyond mm-hmm. years so you're already starting out with those issues and then when you think about the if you think about the venture capital world and how it's i think it's 0.5 percent of dollars make it to black and brown um founders and, and i was throw throwing vcs as well the capital just does not flow and so people are Oftentimes, struggling to perform at an optimal level, deliver service, build a business—you're trying. I, I look at it this way: you're trying to throw the ball, catch it, and run with it at the same time, which is not sustainable. It is not.
0: Wow. I mean, I guess it's harder. So, so it definitely sounds harder than it is for most people. I mean, I think the statistic is for the taking everybody together into account, they say that maybe 5% of small businesses survive. No, like I think 50%, I think it was like 50% of small businesses survive past five years and something like 5% make it to a million in revenue. I think that was the statistic I heard uh, overall. So it's a very small number that make it past that small, you know, that very small business stage anyway. so so To have those other disadvantages you talked about,
1: you can't get a loan, you don't have friends and family, all those things, you know, they, um, and then, you know, people start out with student loan debt. It's just, it's, you know, it's like one issue just keeps compact, the issues keep compounding. Mm. So you have these amazing people, bright folks trying to um, do something and they have all of these other attachments that don't support their growth.
0: Right. So, um, so I guess then, okay. So let's let's go a little bit more into that. Then, like, what you know, because I kind of wanted to go through this backwards. Like, if we're going to talk about how small and mid-sized business owners who are busy people, busy running their own, you know, just consumed with their own businesses and and their own personal lives, how can they increase prosperity in their communities? So we're going to like first work backwards to understand well what's the difference, and then second question is why what are the contributing factors? So I guess once we understand those, we could think about, okay, well, what can people do in, in those areas uh, that might connect with, you know, one or more of those underlying factors? So what are some of the factors or reasons uh, why, you know, why people have those, those disadvantages or you see those differences in outcome?
1: Well, I, I think, you know, if you, um, I use this as an example, you still have people in America saying they're first-generation college students, right? You still have people saying that. Um, And every time I hear it, it reminds me of the breadth of the inequity in this country, right? That there are people that are basically still just starting out. Whereas if you look at their counterparts, now I'm third-generation college, my family right but if you look at counterparts people are fourth and fifth right in this country so there's already a building block right you have something to build on so if you're just getting out of the gate four and five generations behind others right you're not starting at the same point yet you are being held to the same standards.
0: Well, you're working in the same market in same. a sense.
1: Exactly. And so, you know, so that's just the structural challenges of the right.
0: World. So there's right. So because yeah. of because of let's say if you're first, second, or third generation going mm-hmm. to college, for example, not that every business, I mean you need to go to college anyway, but but let you know, you know, and then other people are, yeah. So they're they may have uh, more connections or connections to people in their family that they could look to either for fundraising like you're talking about or for potential clientele mentorship sponsorship all those things mentorship right? what do you mean sponsorship
1: well the difference is mentorship and sponsorship in my opinion is when someone in the position of power actually sort of takes you under his degree, some responsibility for um, your growth, so it's comparable to someone saying, "Oh, I'll introduce you to so and so," versus someone scheduling the meeting, walking you in. This—that's an introduction, right? <laughs> like, oh yeah, I'll send—I'll send them a note, but it's very different when they schedule the meeting, set the meeting up, walk you. Right.
0: <laughs> right, right. So, okay, so so now that we understand that it's a couple of the factors that are involved in. You know, sometimes people compare those things like that to a race where <laughs> one runner is starting a, l- a little further back or somewhat further back than other people, and yet they have to hit the same finish line at the end. The um,
1: and, yeah, and, and, and study shows, especially in, if you think about the world of private equity and fund managers, that Black fund managers tend to perform very well when given the opportunity, right, to so um, it's, you know, it's, it's not that people can't perform well, it's the environment that you're asking people to perform in, right? That most folks aren't mindful of or you don't think about it, right? So if, you, if you've never had these challenges or these aren't the issues you've had to think about, then you don't think that they really exist. And then you take, for instance, those that do graduate and have a student loan debt. Let's use this as an example. They can't afford to start a business. There's so many brilliant entrepreneurs that are straddled with just trying to pay back student loan debt. So any idea of you being able to do something innovative and really creative uh, com- at, compared to paying your bills and surviving, I think you, people take that other route. But I believe entrepreneurship is, is Directly tied to our country being stronger, and you know, getting to solving some of the really critical issues that are we need to address, which brings up this whole other group of social entrepreneurs. But that's, you know, that's sort of like part two. But, but again, you're talking Angela,
0: about people who like use YouTube and, and things like that to to what do you talk What do you mean social entrepreneurs?
1: Entrepreneurs are people that uh, what I call are the entrepreneurs of the third sector. They take the impact role and say, I'm going to create a business that solves a problem. For instance, you have people that create businesses that address um, climate resiliency, the lack of access to clean water. Those are all businesses, right? So if you say, I'm going to create
0: a tool, Mm a company
1: that solves for a challenge in society, those are social entrepreneurs as well.
0: You're talking about for-profit businesses, though, right?
1: Yeah, you can be a for, you can be a for-profit social entrepreneur. That's exactly right. And I like the way I like that you said that because I think oftentimes people equate that with oh, that has to be some little nonprofit. No, it can be a for-profit company, um, very much focused on resolving an issue or a challenge in community, and it can be a for-profit company.
0: Right. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, as, a, as an EOS implementer, helping small and mid-sized businesses implement an, an operating system for their business so they could really scale and not be kind of stymied by all the challenges of how do you, you know, once you get your organization past 10, 20 people, sometimes it gets so complicated, you just hit the ceiling. You don't know how to grow it bigger. Uh, but there's people who've done it before, and so I, I teach people how to do that. And one of the, uh, you know, one of the things that we I help, business owners and, and leadership teams of those businesses clarify is what's their core focus, meaning what's their why and what's their what? Yeah. What's the thing that motivates them and what, and, and what is their actual business uh, you know, content-wise? And one of, the, one of the three main categories of why's of what really gets people up in the morning to do their business is, uh, is some sort of cause. You know, so I don't know what the percentage is of people that choose their why as a cause as opposed to a passion or, or a purpose, but, uh, but it's, you know, yeah, there's a lot of businesses that are like that to help some solve some social issue. Uh, and, and of course, you know, you know, make a profit and, and, and have prosperity in their own life as well at the same time.
1: That's right. That's exactly right.
0: Um, okay. So, so getting down to the people listening to or watching this right now, um, you know some of them may be the same people who you're you know you're talking about you know from uh, you know uh minority people or who come from certain disadvantages that they're uh you know that they have to swim upstream against in a way so but what can everybody do like what you know let's say okay you know what, this bothers me what Chris was talking about this this bothers me um but like i don't you know so what can i do how can you know what can i do i don't have a ton of like discretionary income, let's say, to invest in that business directly with a lot of money, maybe some do, but uh, but what what can people do, you know, regular people, small and mid-sized business owners who are listening to this show or watching this show, what can they do?
1: Can you become a customer,
0: right? I mean, if there is a service
1: that is being offered that you just said, well, you know, I can, can perhaps I'll consider, this year spending X amount of dollars with
0: diverse entrepreneurs.
1: Uh, can you become a customer? That's what I said, everyone, Like, Yeah.
0: Well, they, every business is a customer of a number of vendors.
1: Exactly
0: right. These printing companies, <laughs> marketing companies. That's
1: right. That's uh, a, and, and I'm not insurance right. Insurance
0: brokers. I mean, there's all, all kinds of things.
1: Services. What, you know, and it's not all about consumer facing. It's, it's professional services. Uh, can I hire uh, a black or brown uh, webmaster for my company? Like, you know, how can you, uh, yeah, professional services, think about all Why those-
0: isn't that happening? I mean, I'm sure people would say like, of course I, I would, but what? maybe we don't know those people or. I, so-
1: I, I, think, you, I think that um, human behavior is to go to what you know. And all, and so people tend to stay in their circle, and that's that's what we do. And what has happened though is um, people that have been able to create larger circles, back to what we talked about earlier, broader networks, they tend to be okay. But those that don't, you know, they struggle. And so I think you have to be intentional and thoughtful and think about what resources exist. Um, yeah, and I mean it's going to take work, right? Anytime you start, yeah. To, yeah, anytime you have to be intentional. You literally, as a business. That's the most
0: important word, I think, that you just said twice, intentional. Yeah. Because as a, without that, like you said, you're just going to go or I as a business owner, I'm just going to go to whoever, I don't know, whatever, just whoever's closest by.
1: You got to pick up the phone and call someone and say, who are you? You know, who do you go right.
0: to? Who do you know? Or a lot of people go to these. A lot of people go to these um, go to these like networking groups. I don't know. They have they have them all over the place. But you go to uh, go to BNI has chapters all over the place. Uh, uh, and, right, but I'm sure that you know people would people would use, if there's vendors in the group who are who are black or whatever some other you know group would. I mean, they'd be happy to use them, but a lot of, you know, but if there's nobody like that, then again, they're just not nearby. So that inertia takes over. Mm -hmm. I guess what, I mean, one thing, I I guess the more, I don't know, is, is it feasible for people, for people to, I don't know, join more of these, more of these groups and that way they get access to the whole chapter. There's 20, 30 local business owners that they're all of a sudden in the group with, they see every week or every two weeks or however often the group has meetings. And, um, and then they become a referral source or referral target or whatever for uh, for the other people in the group.
1: Exactly. I mean, and if you're in those groups and you look around and they look pretty like homogenous, you may want to say,
0: "I've noticed I mean, I do notice that. I've been in a couple of these, and
1: you start to say, "Well, what can we do as a group?" Okay. To make this different, and you know, there's just another a one ripple effect, right? And you know, most real change occurs at the systems level. So, if you have organizations thinking about how to mm-hmm. make changes, then the impact will be much broader, much wider.
0: It's just kind of, you know, it's in in any of these though. It sounds like they require a lot of intentionality because I think about I think about these groups that I've been in, and they they have the same problem of inertia or just of of going to who you know. Because if I think, okay oh, we need a plumber in the group or we need a you know we need a whatever we need a we need a an employee benefits person or whatever then you you think you know where we need a marketing guy we need a florist whatever you 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 know you think okay who do I know who is a florist you say hey do you want to join this group but you know if everybody knows again more homogeneous friend group or you know then it's just going to stay more of the same mm-hmm. uh, so you need that more you know i mean you need that intention, but that's a great idea. That's a great idea. In terms, of, if you are in one of those groups, that's another thing, right? Is to is is to make an effort. The truth is, looking for members in certain industries. I know in one in one BNI group I used to be part of, they they would actually go in the neighborhood where they were based and like walk down the street and like go into stores and say like, "Hey, I'll tell you about this group I'm in. You know, whatever. Try out a meeting, uh, and then you know." But then I'm, I'm sure you could adapt that in some way to to find you know find people to make you know to make it more diverse and really expand the network in the group by not going to people who are so similar to each other or go go in such similar circles.
1: And that you know that that's a that's an opportunity for people to demonstrate leadership. You know really, the expectation that you get this right quickly. You know is not that's not the expectation. The expectation is that you recognize that you hold some power or influence, big or small, and how can I leverage that, right? So if it means if you are a part of one of those groups and you say every year, this month, we're going to do X, I think you have to be that intentional. Right,
0: take some, yeah.
1: It's like what I've used as, as um, a strategy for networking. When I go to events, and I'm sure when the world was open, right, and we were forever going to events, I was, you know, constantly going to events. I would say, what three people, what three re- new relationships am I going to walk away from today, away mm-hmm. from this group today, right? And, you know, sometimes depending on what the event was, it was maybe three peers that I could connect with from over time for advice, maybe three, pros- three business prospects, whatever the case may be. I was very intentional about meeting. Mm-hmm. Even if I was somewhere with a lot of my friends with there, I talked to them a little bit, but Then I did my networking, meeting three new folks. Right. But it was intentional, I, you know, a lot of intent. Right,
0: <laughs> right. and I've, you know, one thing I've done, I've done for something similar, is that I, I have a scoreboard that I keep for myself and my own my own business every week, and I am I have a minimum number of outgoing referrals that I want to make. I'm giving business to somebody else just because they need it. Again, like I mentioned, you know, just because some of my, my recent referrals were about employee benefits, I did a couple yesterday, um, so you know, just to to do something similar. With yourself is, is a potential idea. Also, aside, aside from the networking group thing, and you know, you mentioned this other idea of making new connections, and maybe I could make a people can make metrics for themselves to say, you know, some sort of person from an underserved community or community of color or whatever it happens to be, you know, make a new connection, get somebody in the network, something like that. What? Could, well, aside from those groups and maybe that metric, what other ideas are there for people? You know, I'm a business owner. I'm busy, but I'm a customer of different businesses. So, how can I find more people from maybe a little bit outside of my of my typical circle? How can I find like where where? How can I find those those people? What would be a good idea?
1: Well, I think you do need some connectivity, right? Connectivity, right? So perhaps you start with your alum association of your college and say, is there a directory? What um, you know. Are there is there like a black alumni group for instance you know is there a way, a way
0: for me to figure out if hmm. we have- so when you are you then you have another you have a particular nexus because of the alumni of the same school for example
1: I mean yeah you can start there I think that's a fairly um, safe space when I say safe meaning you have some connection
0: right? right it's not like totally cold yeah
1: yeah start there right that's a great place to start and I am pretty certain that if you start there, someone in that community, if they are not the person to offer whatever service, uh, they will know someone. They'll say, oh, it's sort of like why they say it's important to invest in Black venture capitalists. Because if you want to talk about creating equity, why? Because the Black venture capitalist is going to know where the Black founders are. The brown venture capitalist is going to know where the brown founders are, right? And so that's how you. It's pretty simple, right? It's you know, <laughs> that's right. how you get to shifting these numbers and creating more inclusion. Um, you know, that's 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 a sim, I think that's a fairly simple way to get started.
0: Right, that's a good one. I I think when we talked previously, uh, separate from this podcast, I think you mentioned also that there are Chambers of Commerce that focus on communities like that?
1: There's, there's Chambers of Commerce, there is the um, Black Chamber of Commerce that you can, I mean-
0: go. Is that on. national and then they have chapters?
1: Yeah, they have chapters. Go on uh, and you can find groups like that that um,
0: can refer you to different business owners.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, uh, curious if you have, if you've seen any examples of other people, uh, of people doing this, going outside of themselves, any stories or examples, I guess, from either side of the coin, but, uh, that I, you could share.
1: I, you know, one of my favorite entrepreneurs, uh, is a man by the name of Mitch Kapor.
0: Mitch, oh, say it again. Kapor. Okay.
1: Um, brilliant, talented wife, Frida Kapoor. Uh, They were very intentional about investing in Black and Brown venture capitalists, Black black and Brown um, entrepreneurs. Now, they they are um, in the tech tech sector, which is a predominantly white sector, white and male, Um, but they were intentional, they had means, so they were very intentional about investing in people outside of that circle, right? Now, I'm certain it was probably a lot of work, it was pretty hard, but they were intentional about it. Uh, and so I think those of us that have means and have the opportunity to do something, they can take a look at their model. It's the K- They created the K-Port Center for Social Impact. Um, and it's very much a sustainable entity, to the point you made earlier about, you know, things being profitable. Yeah, So I think, I think there are ways to create um, access and opportunity for others. And they've done an excellent job at,
0: at doing that. And how, what kinds of things did they do to broaden themselves? You, know, you said it was work. Like, What were they doing?
1: Well, no, I mean, they probably could tell you what they actually did, but yeah. I could what, what I have seen the fruit of is the results. Yeah, they have invested in so many black and brown entrepreneurs and venture capitalists that you know, if they probably I would go on record and say, probably many cases, if they had not been early in making the investments, a lot of the founders and and venture capitalists would not have had the success that they found. Mm -hmm. just by them being connected, the association, uh, gave such a boost. And I think sometimes when you, you cannot discount the power of association from a pop in a positive way, right? So if you have something that you can offer and people respect your, um, advice or your decisions or you're credible in a certain area, sector or industry, and you you take a chance and make an investment, people are going to say, well, maybe I need to pay attention, right? Mm-hmm. So people didn't go create the same entity they have. They looked at how they could become engaged as an investor or partner or strategic strategic partnerships, whatever the case may be. I think that's a great example of people having, um, access and how you can leverage it for others.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, So one last question before we run out of time also, which is, uh, which is this topic that, you know, I have a great interest in, which is fractional leadership, you know, how small and mid-sized businesses use, uh, use experienced executives, but you know, who they could never afford to, hire full-time at the stage that they're in business-wise, like a CFO, a CMO, CSO, chief operating officer, et cetera. Um, and then, you know, being able to like really accelerate themselves because of that knowledge and expertise being part of their leadership team, even though they're, you know, that person may have several clients and they're not with them full-time. So using that fractional leadership tool, I guess, with, with some of these minority entrepreneurs, small limits as business owners, how or when have you seen them using fractional leadership and and like, how did that go?
1: The first time I started to see this was about 10 years ago. I saw a firm sort of, I used to wonder how do they get so much done? Wow, they're so impressive. You know, I realized that's what they were doing. You know, they were were using, uh, leveraging leaders within the context that they had the capacity for what I mean by that what they could actually probably pay them and you know when people are invested but the goal was everyone wanted to be a part of a bigger firm and so it worked out for everyone right Mm -hmm. so I started to really implement that uh, model into my work and you know I look for people of course first and foremost that know a topic much better than I do and and I, you know, and you know this as an entrepreneur, when you have someone that's competent and capable, you just sort of feel this sense of, oh, like you don't have to. And, and try- yeah, more relaxed. More relaxed. Confident. More confident. And trying to run a business, trying to start a business and run a business. Um, we didn't, we talked about earlier, it's a lot, but finding those types of people, that's been my saving grace, right? And a lot of times I'll, you know, i'm able to find someone to work in an advisory role that is you know they've done that before and like people people discount how important advisors are for your company they're mm-hmm. very they can save you a lot of time and a lot of headache cuz they've been there before they right. they you know they can almost predict you don't want to go that route you want to go that route but i could never afford these people full time right, right. And then in the case of the chief operating officer, finally have someone that you know she's stepping she's stepping away from uh, corporate America. So she brings so much experience. I could never afford her, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I make certain she recognizes it and that she knows I appreciate her. But a fraction of her time is um, has been so helpful for me because. You know, I've just been able to be more productive from a business development perspective because um, I'm not so busy thinking about the operations. Right. And, right. and I know she points things out for me like, but remember you said you wanted to accomplish X. And then I'll go, well, yeah, I did say that. She said, well, if that's what you want to do, then this is not what you should be doing, you know? And so the, again, right. <laughs> it's just been great to have someone in that role, and and I do think fractional leadership is a great strategy for small to mid-sized businesses to scale.
0: Right, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I appreciate it, and uh, I do appreciate that. And uh, yeah, I mean, fully agree. I'm a I'm a form of a COO. That's the kind of fractional leadership service I provide to clients. It's called a fractional integrator, kind of in the EOS in the community of, of companies using EOS. Um, And uh, so, yeah, I appreciate you sharing your experience on that and for coming on the show. And again, people can find out more about uh, Crystal and her work at mosaicgenius.com. Again, mosaicgenius.com. And, uh, you know, obviously Google Head head and Heart Philanthropy as well. And uh, and find out more about that. But thank you so much for coming on. I really, really appreciate it.
1: Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure and an honor. I really appreciate that. And this, you know, this coming week we're fe- we're going into the last week of Women's History Month,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: I am having four conversations with four amazing, very different female entrepreneurs that are on what I call incredible impact journeys, and they are making a difference, making and doing good at the same time.
0: <laughs> and is that something people register register for to participate in?
1: Actually, you can catch me on my LinkedIn Live page. So go to LinkedIn. You can go to LinkedIn and follow me there, Crystal M. Jackson. Okay. That's the best, best. That's the
0: best way. All right. I'll I'll put that in the in the show notes also, and uh, and um, I'll I'll put that in the show notes. I'll, I'll look. I'll get. I'll get from your feed the, the exact name or whatever to use. But uh, we'll definitely put that in the notes so people can participate and uh, listen and watch that and again, thank you so much for coming on and, and, uh, appreciate it. And for everybody else, we'll see you guys on the other side. Bye. You're listening to win win an entrepreneurial community with your host Ben Wolf.